Last time on Critnit, a group of new guild members delved into the first known level of the fracture, a huge expansive crack in the earth that held the creatures they were contracted to hunt. After a bit of tracking and an unlucky step by one Parker Prax, they were suddenly ambushed by several of these creatures, but before long they had the situation more than under control and were even able to assist a group of guild members from Guild Lafta while they were being attacked by some of the same creatures. The groups showed some tentative thankfulness towards one another, but even in heading back to the surface, held a healthy sword's length distance between one another. Welcome to Critment, here where I have our wonderful group of fantastic characters coming back for another episode. And now we pick up. You've now entered the elevator. The rest of the small group of the Guild of Laughter cramming into here. It begins to rise, bringing you to the surface once again. And along the rather anti-gravitational ride, who has a passive perception above 13? Umval. I do. Parker and Humval, you hear Dunma begin to speak quietly to Aji in the furthest corner away from you guys. You hear him whisper to her, You know what I saw. And we have to be wary the further down we go. We don't know who it is. And she just looks to him and nods. Kind of a wary look in her eye. Gaskar is um, totally ingratiating himself to Merdina, partially because he's just in love with her name, and also, yeah, it doesn't hurt to get close to people in some sense. So, hey, um, what were you guys going after down in the fracture? I'm just kind of like, kind of curious about all this stuff down here. And you're saying this to who? Merdina. On her shoulder, so I'm probably actually looking down on her for once. Well, yeah, no, you're looking down <laughs> oh. at her, and she looks up at you, and she. Uh, well, uh, we went down into the fracture to uh, hunt some rather nasty beasts on the fourth level. Uh, you know, it wasn't really that difficult, but uh, I, I've been told by Aji not to let other guilds know of uh, exactly what's down there. Uh, although, and she kind of like motions for you to come like a little bit closer. I lean in. There's an excessive amount of very uh, carnivorous plants on that level. They want to do nothing but eat you. Be very, very careful where you step and avoid the white flowers with blue centers. Because those are the things that will suddenly like attach to your foot and then hang you upside down and then eat you. Oh, is it the same flowers? Is that the is that the same flower that you gave me? No, that's not quite the same one, but very similar. How, wait, how do I tell the difference? 
Well, at the moment, you don't have it. I mean, you have this one, but you don't have the one that I, you know, that's down there that we were kind of sent to get. Uh, those are a little more difficult to cut down. Just don't plant that one uh, just as a heads up because it will turn into something very, very similar and also try to eat you. Oh. It's, imagine like a giant jungle that, you know, doesn't have any animals in it because all the animals got eaten by the trees. I know it doesn't make much of sense, but you know, this. Some of these levels really don't make a lot of sense anyway. Even like the second one, why it's always like steamy and rainy, it doesn't really follow with much else. Sounds like a sauna. Oh yeah, most certainly. And you know, it doesn't help with all the mourned just kind of wandering about down there. You know, it's actually really disturbing sometimes. Wait, what's wandering down there? And it's this point that Aji, having now begun to overhear it, looks down at her, looks up at you, and the elevator stops as you've now reached the top. Hmm. The doors swing open, and Aji motions for Merdina very emphatically to follow her as she turns on her heels and begins to walk away. Hey, you want to go get something to drink later? Like, all of us go... So as you say this, uh, Nat, specifically the very large lizard folk, turns around and says, I could go for a drink. That's... I am pretty thirsty. We haven't drank much in, like... Three days, actually. Where's a good spot to drink around here? Neon Fang. Bar right near my shop. Hey, I've actually been there. It is actually pretty nice. Dunma, kind of rubbing his throat, also up. Yeah. <sighs> I could go for a drink. It's all you're buying. So that cruise dude there called me like I was a dog earlier, so I'm pretty sure that means he's financially responsible for me. Let's see how much... Let's see how much we get from this, and then maybe drinks on Tomval. I second that it goes to cruise the largest and most obviously dignified of our party that he should spot for everyone's drinks as a measure of hospitality for his new employment. Well, if, if Cruz is buying, then I'll join. Well, I guess I'm buying since everybody's coming. <laughs> uh, at that, Dudma just kind of... All right. Merdina... Kind of calls out, Aji, Aji, come on, we have to go now. Come on, it's it's free drinks. Even you can't resist that. And you see Merdina or uh, Aji stop and look back as the rest of her group is also looking at her expectingly. And you also get the sense that Aji is most certainly the leader of this group, and she knows she wants to like make the best for them, but she also has a very faint disdain for all of you at the moment and is trying to reconcile the two in her mind until Merdina is like, you you know they have drool spit. Oh, gross. And she hangs her head and, <sighs> fine, let's get on them with it then. And you all make your way out. Is there anything you'd like to do before you all exit into your- Lobbies? Yes. Uh. I'm going to yell at the old elf guy and say, hey, where do we take our rewards? A gnome? Or, yes, gnome, sorry. I don't know why I was thinking he was an elf. So, here's the easy easy uh, descriptors. Elves are very skinny and can be used as improvised quarterstaffs. Uh, gnomes have pointy heads. It makes them aerodynamics, making them like darts or daggers. <laughs> I, I have never heard such an accurate description <laughs> of races in my life, and that is actually amazing. 
I started D&D as a barbarian. I'm going to keep describing other races like a barbarian would. <laughs> I was about to call you racist, but that might be better. <laughs> it's not racist if it's a weapon specialization. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't want to know what he'd use a dragon board. Oh, for. my gosh. Flame a thrower. flamethrower. Jinx! <laughs> 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 With all those spikes, obviously, he, he's a morning star. Well, joking aside, who was it that I listened to into on the elevator ride? That was Dunma Isgaranthan Dialanthan speaking to Agitated in the corner. Uh, then I'm going to sidle up with Dunma and be like, exactly who is on which level now. Keep my voice low. Keep my actions subtle. Roll a stealth check just for fun. All right. So Humval rolled a 20. As you whisper this, Dunma flashes you a, a glance and kind of looks at your ears for a split second and make sure Aji is kind of up front as Merdina has also saddled up next to her and is kind of distracting her at the moment and he leans into you and we saw the silver shade on the fourth level have you heard of the the story of the silver shade no I have not please to tell over drinks when we get there I'll make sure to saddle up next to you I know that Aji is very tight-lipped on information, but I think this is something that everyone who goes into the fracture must know. Especially good friends like you and I, yes. He kind of taps his throat and... Yeah. Thanks for that. You're not half bad. And he turns and begins to catch up to the rest of them. Not half bad. Uvali's great. Not half bad. What are you saying? <laughs> uh, Tom Tibia in regards to you Cruz lifts up his little staff and just points to your door and kind of like tur- turns the uh, cane up a little bit and then sends it back down I'm gonna I'm gonna nudge um, Parker did he just flip me off with his cane impressive first off did he it's what it looked like uh, I'd say yes, but offended, yes. Yes, you should be. I want to chuck that little gnome like a lawn dart. Let's go turn in our swag. The guild laughter as <laughs> Merdina kind of taps you and, uh, sorry, I have to go, you know, through our guild entrance real quick. Uh, we have to drop some other stuff off. So off you get. Wait, one more scritch right behind the ear. One more. Scritchy, scritchy, oh, scritchy. Yes, that's fine. Okay. All right. See you. See you at the neon fang. Okay. And she dashes off, and the rest of them go through a yellow, kind of tinted door into their guild lobby. As you all head through the now being repaired door, it seems as though someone at the moment is beginning to try to fix the latches and has brought a spare door and is trying to begin to uh, reassemble it. Is it relic? It is not Relic. It seems to be some form of serviceman who, ironically, is actually a dwarf. Very old, very stalwart. See? Broken doors. Get a dwarf. Wow. Oh, my. The look of revulsion from everyone at the same time has been amazing. I it has am... made my night. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know how to respond to that. Hey, what kind of tools you got? I, I pull out my uh, my tinkering tools and kind of I'm just playing with them in my hand and yeah, you know, one one handyman to another. Like, what what kind of tools you got? I got a screwdriver. <laughs> Cruz is gonna hold up his hammer, and I have a hammer. It's used for screwing in the the hinges into the door and then to the door frame. Uh, it's not a lot else I need. It's a it's a screwdriver. I imagine because I have had to build a lot of things from scratch that I've got a multi-tool of sort of things built into my tinkering tools. You mean like this and I, I press a button, it changes into the exact kind of screwdriver to match the shape of the the screw head perfectly, like not just in general, but perfectly. And I twist it in with a motorized screwdriver and then walk away. Ah, yes, the King Phillips Mark One. Uh, I'm sorry, was that a... T- oh, these guild members are getting weirder and weirder. That's right, I'm a mongoose. Get over it. It talks. I thought that was a joke. I'm a mongoose. Mongoose? Not rock. I talk. Yes. Yes, is thing. Do you understand? Thank you, strange mongoose. By the way, Dorf, uh, mongoose is short for monstrous goose, so he is actually some sort of bird. Not correct. (laughs) Please make a deception check, please. Uval, open face lying. That, sir, is a two on the die for a total of a two. (laughs) (laughs) The dwarf looks at him and looks at you and... No, he's he's really not. He's looks like a river mongoose to me. L- leave me to get my door back on this hinge so I can get out of here, please. I believe it's already done. I mean, I still got four more screws, but don't touch my door. Zip, 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 zip. Gaskar is just like, you're being dumb. Like, there's better tools than a basic screwdriver to use for this. You dunk on this... <laughs> Average (laughs) craftsman dwarf who had just been hired to come in and fix a door in the guild hall and for some reason just got dunked on by this freaking mongoose who apparently can talk and use tools. And he just, by this point, you see him shrug. Okay. Put his screwdriver in his belt, stand up, and I will make his way to the door. Very quickly, as fast as his little stubby wee legs can carry him, because he does. <laughs> uh, Cruz is going to go find Relic. While since Gaskar is done embarrassing the handyman, uh, it is not hard to find Relic, as he is at the moment lounging by the fire uh, with a fresh pot of soup. So I have our mission spoiled. What should we? Should I be giving them to you, or should I be taking them to you? Let me see what you got. He walks over to the, the table beyond the kind of lounge sofa set in the center of here. Uh, the table itself is a little bit higher than most other ones, and as he motions for you to set the contents on it. Yeah, I'm only going to pull out the three rattle gum claws and the two poison sacks. You see him kind of pick them up, inspect them, make sure that each one of them is 
completely unruptured and unbroken. Uh, after a short amount of time, he's satisfied with it, hands them back to, all right, uh, you fulfilled your contract. And in fairly expeditious time, I'm, I'm impressed, to say the least. Um, you are free to return to my name is. Tell her that the contract is fulfilled. I'm going to lean into him and say, hey, do you think we can uh, get a bonus for saving another guild's team down there? No. That uh, that does not work that way. Can we get a bonus if we got more than what the contract was for? Oh, yeah, most certainly. I mean, we have backstock. We have abilities to anything else you get, we will uh, gladly take and sell off and you know, in some future way. We have very expert ways of preserving current pieces that come out so they don't spoil in case, you know, we need a, a expedited order. Uh, they oh, no. they go for similar amounts. Hold on. What? I, I might I might want to use this extra stuff and see what I can tinker up with later. Oh, do you have more? But we got we got lots more claws. And we got three more sacks too. Fifty credits a pop. A hundred for the sacks. We would have had more sacks, but I I messed up. Oh, 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 they fell off the, uh, sailing, didn't they? Indeed. Yeah, they got me the first time on that one. It, uh, fell right on top of my head. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I'm going to pick up the stuff, put it back in my bag, and head out to my... Hey, you don't get to make the choice for us. What if we want our money? I'm taking it all out to my. If you guys want your money, let's go get your money. Well, don't we have to turn it into him? No, he said turn it into my. He's the one who inspects it and approves you to go turn it in. Got it. You make your way out into the main hall of the guild. Uh, my name is is sitting there on at her desk. There is a elven gentleman leaning against the desk, seeming in a conversation with her. Do you all approach? Uh, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to walk up and I'm going to drop the sack right onto the table and say, sorry to interrupt, but we have completed our mission. How wealthy does this elf appear? Make a perception check. My character has been pestering Gascar for a chance to play around with his uh, his strange boomstick. <laughs> hey, Mongoose. Let me see that thing. Mm. Your weapon. Oh, Th- this? Yes. How does it work? Um, you put some explosive in this little shell thing here, and you put this wad of metal into that, and then you put it in here, and then this thing hits that thing, and it goes boom out the this tube. Sorry, you have made a portable cannon. Yeah, but what's really cool is. But Scun actually works off of magic tech, and I don't really even need these shells here because it runs off magic tech juice. The the magic tech juice forms into a, a bullet, and it actually gives a little bit of an extra hard punch to the critter that gets hit by it. So yeah, it's kind of cool. It, it's complicated, but it's really cool. Mm. It seems to be an awful lot of complication. Where a bow and arrow would, su- would suffice. Yeah, but this thing either will pass straight through or leave the wad of metal in them and they can't just pull it out with the stick. Well, 
So either they've got two exit, they've got two wounds that are bleeding massively, or they've got one wound with a bit of metal chewing them up from the inside out that they can't get out as easy as an arrow. Well, if your first arrow just kills them outright, then you don't need to worry about them removing it. Same thing with this thing. If it hits them right in the spot to kill them, yeah, they're dead and sweet. But if it doesn't kill them, then it's still a lot harder to deal with than an arrow. So it is a smaller ship cannon that is louder than the bow and arrow or a crossbow even. Yes. And but here's the thing. If you hollow out the metal, if you're not using this magic tech drive sort of thing, if you hollow out that metal um, wad in the front there, what I like to call a bullet. OK, um, then, yeah, I have I have I have invented this new thing. It's called a bullet. It's fantastic. Anyway, if you hollow out the center, it turns into this flying disc. And when it hits them, there's like being hit by a, a razor sharp sphere that flying at as fast as uh, a dragonborn flies out of hell. Wow. <laughs> what a comparison. <laughs> so you're saying you absolutely could not make that any quieter. Oh, I can make it quiet. I'm still at the counter pulling all the uh, claws and guts, and I'm just going to turn around and go, hey, uh, so are we trading in all 10 and all 5, or do I get to keep stuff to uh, craft with later? I'm not paying you guys for the extra stuff. I don't care what you do with it. Well, all I'm interested in is the reward, so. I turn in two of those claws because I feel like I can make a claim to at least two of those claws in one of those sacks. Turn those in, and I want my money for it. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to look at it and say, since I was volunteered for beer, buying the beer, all of this is going towards that. Oh, I'm okay with that then. Yeah, beer. Beer's on cruise. <laughs> Wait, okay. this just means the beers are on me. Cut! <laughs> and I'm going to say, you heard it, my name is. Pay us for all of it. All right. Well, I assume the contract is complete. Counts three of them out. Slides two of the poison sacks over. Uh, upon completion, you have now received cumulatively uh, 150 for the claws, 200 for the poison sacks, and an additional 100 credits on top of it as per completion of a contract. I'm going to hand you each 112 for for the um, breakup of us the contract evenly. And how many are you selling individually? And I'm going to sell her uh, seven claws and three more sacks. Another 450 credits. Okay. Now, hey, hey, uh, listen to me. We're going to go get beer. But whatever is left off that off that money then gets divvied back. back is Parker's and Humboldt's right. Got it. <laughs> no, no, it's been back divvied out to me. Because I'm the one saying to sell the crud. Jessica, you know that I am also money hungry. Fine, fine, you can have... You can have some. For the sake of simplicity, an even divvy is recommended. Fine, 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 whatever. I just want money. So I can go buy things and make stuff. Yourself and myself are in the same boat. 
Okay, so Cruz is going to turn and start walking to the exit and say, oh, and then stop and go, my, before we go get beard, do we have any pressing quests that need uh, come to our attention or can we pick them up in the morning? Uh, well, there is another contract that is available for you upon the second level. Take it at your leisure. I doubt Relic is going to be delving anytime soon, so it will be here for when you're ready. We will pick it up in the morning. And it's interesting. The elven gentleman looks to you all and just smiles. And at this point, you see he's he's fairly old. Like, he, he looks as far as, like, elves in recent years, again, have only been living to about 80 to 100. And he looks withered. Like, he is probably verging on, like, 95, probably. I'm just going to look at him and say, sorry to interrupt your conversation. We had uh, some presses in business, but it's beer 30. We're going to go get some beer. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt your two's conversation. And Cruz is going to turn towards the door and give him an opportunity to stop me if necessary. He doesn't. Oh, then Cruz is going to keep walking. Okay. Vol's hanging behind. I'm okay. also hanging behind. And by the way, you asked me to roll a perception check on his wealth level earlier. Oh, and yes. I yes. rolled a uh, 19 on that. I've been rolling God. hot tonight. <laughs> a 19 will lead you to note down that this man's cloak, a black satin cloak with a purple outline, is very expensive. Purple is a sign of wealth. You see a very ornate silver pendant that he wears, the symbol of which you do not recognize. And you do notice that his his general cleanliness is very neat and orderly. And you can surmise that this is most certainly a fairly wealthy individual. Hey, who are you? Well, uh, wouldn't you like to know my small friend? Actually, I would. You strike me is intriguing. Who's going to turn around and come stand next to Parker? Gaskar, you are being rude. You need to introduce yourself to those uh, in higher stations. Well, I mean, everybody's higher than me, just about. Do not sell yourself short. I don't have to sell myself as short. I am. <laughs> <laughs> As Humbal as said that, he knelt down. Well, now, this is... You were right. You were right, my dear. They are quite the Spitfire group. Perhaps you will be of use. I have been known by many names. Uh, however, in this city, I am known as Edward Ludicius. I am a merchant, tinkerer of sorts. Uh, I originate from the northern sandlands and have made my way down here to sell my rather unusual wares. Does Cruz recognize that name at all? Uh, roll a history check. And Humval rolled that history check. Yeah. Roll a history I, check. He said, my ears perked up the moment he said tinkerer. I imagine the okay. tinkering circle, like, <laughs> good tinkerers are probably somewhat well-known. Okay. 
Okay. That's a that's a dirty twenty. Oh that's a nineteen right. for a twenty-one. I've got a twenty-four. History <laughs> <laughs> check. Hey Parker, yeah, roll. Just just roll, please. Six. Okay. <laughs> got it. We all know who this guy is. Parker does not. You had no clue. What you guys feel what you guys fail to realize is that uh, Parker actually rolled a natural 20, but you all sucked away every bit of it and left him with six. So, uh, no. So, let's see. Humval, you would actually recognize the symbol of the silver chain around his neck as a symbol of the free merchants. You, Gaskar, don't see any tinkering tools on his person. Though you do see some strange looking pouches along kind of his his belt that were previously hidden by his cloak. And it's interesting because you would recognize these as their alchemical pouches. So you don't necessarily work with alchemy too much, but some tinkerers do try to implement this into their wares. And so you'd remember that there is a, a sect that do use this. So it does track. And Cruz, even with your history check, you have no idea. I mean, this, you don't see anything really. I, I deal with merchant. I deal with merchants all the time. I don't recognize that name at all. Come on, this guy's wealthy. No. I have to know at least know his name. Fortunately, Edward Ludicius does not ring a bell to you. Does that name ring a bell to me? Nope. I'm instantly gonna nudge Parker and say. I deal with merchants all the time. I don't recognize that name. It's obviously fake. Umval will stand at attention, bring his right hand up to his left shoulder in a curve and curve his elbow. Master Ludicius, Umval of the Half Moon Selsod Company is at your service. There. That is the attitude that will get you far. Oh, uh, do not mind the uh, pendant. Uh, naturally, being from the north, you would recognize having to travel through the south, you must uh, make certain monetary arrangements with groups of people so you don't wind up uh, penniless and dead on the side of the street. This is nothing more than something to uh, ward off those who would try to hunt me. I have heard of your company, the Half Moon. You recently came across the Southern Sandlands, correct? This is true. I was about to hire you all when I heard that you had already been taken on another contract. I followed you soon afterwards. I've been here for mm, five hours, perhaps. Recently arrived. I have now here to settle myself and sell my wares. Ah. I also have an accessible amount of money. You have quite the reputation amongst those who are in the north would seek out your uh, your assistance. So I had to settle for second best, but I am here alive nonetheless. So uh, I guess I found competency in someone. Indeed, you should pay them more money. Oh, I gave them plenty. Now, Interesting enough here. I am here with an exorbitant amount of money as well. Uh, in very little to do with it. 
And so I have come to the Guildhall in hopes of perhaps alleviating myself of this wretched burden in the form of sponsorship of one of these guilds. And your dear friend here has pitched to me you all. And seeing as you are in dire straits here in Hopel, I would pride myself upon assisting you and bringing yourselves back up to the former glory. My name is... I assume we are accepting the sponsorship from Master Ludicius. It is actually written in the charters that sponsorship must be determined by the majority vote of those who are inside. Uh, it is your decision whether or not to accept this man as your sponsors. We cannot make that decision for you. Master Ludicius, how are you sponsoring us specifically? Are you hiring men to join our guild? Are you paying us extra for quests because I am not a fan of assassination. I won't do that type of stuff. Um, are you just providing us gold or materials to better equip ourselves with? How is this sponsorship looking? You pay some vol for that kind of stuff. Well, you had previously mentioned that you are going to a bar. I'm a bit parched myself. Drinks on me. Cruz, give, give me, me my, my money. money as well. Cool. <laughs> 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 what money? Those acts are 450 bucks. So. I'm just going to hand you guys 112 each. And I'm going to hold out my hand for the other two. I'm going to drop one in your hand and call it good. And I'm going to slide you a wink. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. So all of you get 225 even. Perfect. All right. So you all receive your money. Edward Ludicius waves his hand in front of you and motions you all to follow him. Just as the other guild members of Lafta and have been speaking currently with their guild leader and have currently finished business and now look to you as you begin to pass by hey they're coming to for drinks with us are, are drinks on you for them too mr master master ludicius and i do that bow that i saw whom did do you i i try to emulate it as well as i can if i need to roll on something here roll performance roll performance all right Ah, oh, dang, that's not that's my first bad roll of the night for a five. <laughs> <laughs> Falls straight on his face. Practically. Okay, well, it's not pretty. You perform it best to your abilities, trying to remember how he did it. You saw it at a very brief glance. But nonetheless, Edward Ludicius does acknowledge it with a, a smile, and you see the crow's feet around his eyes just tighten ever so slightly with just the biggest grin. It seems as this is a very happy gentleman. Uh, he's very appreciative of this kind of respect that he's being shown. And he looks to your friends and, yes, yes, I they may come as well. It is of no worries. I assure you, money is no object at this point. And Merdina just waves excitedly at you guys. Drinks are on him. And she like looks up at Aji and Aji looks down at her. 
<laughs> Emerdina beanlines it for you guys. Oh, I, I run over to her and jump up on her shoulder. Perfect. She carries you without issue. You all converge at the door and make your way through the crowded streets of Everrain. Naturally, the rain at this point has not ceased and is continuously pouring upon you by the time you make it uh, through the rest of the Pinfeather District, all the way into the Swarf District and to the Neon Fang. The sign outside the Neon Fang, it is glowing and it has always glown. You actually begin to recognize this glow. It's the mushroom glow. It seems as though they have harvested these mushrooms, colored the juice from them, and use it as paint. For some reason, my brain has it to where the E is blinking out on the neon fang sign. <laughs> they need to repaint that side. You know, it's it's just one of those things. Oh, darn. There's always one of those things that are going out. <laughs> the rain oh. is making it go. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, it's waterproof. I'm calling it now, they're waterproof. Uh, but anyway, you make your way into the Neon Fang. It is, at a moment, pretty busy. Uh, people being served, uh, people of all makes and alike and likenesses everywhere around you. There is a fair amount of space on the right side of the entirety of the, uh, uh, of the bar. Several booths are available, several tables that are also fairly large. Uh, and Cruz, you see the proprietor, Gregory Thurston, <laughs> a fairly old gnomish fellow who always wears a excessively pointed hat, uh, most of which you can kind of see just kind of moving behind the bar ever so slightly before a bottle or a shot or a glass suddenly appears on the table in front of a uh, customer of some sort. You just see it running back and forth as fast as possible. Uh, I'm going to point everybody over to a booth that's uh, in the corner of the room that has a little reserved sign, and I'm going to say, that's my table. And then I'm going to walk up to the bar, and as Gregory's putting a bottle on, I'm going to grab his hand, pick him up, and go, Gregory! Cruz, my friend. Ah, you're here to spend more money. Uh, I'm going to say, well... I have a very, very rich sponsor with me today, so let's bring out the best stuff. And I got a bunch of people with me, so Ooh. can you send over a waitress with a bunch of pitchers and a whole bunch of pint glasses and the mongoose gets a shot glass? No, I get a full-sized <laughs> glass. <laughs> and I'm going I'm to giggle and say, okay, fine, put a straw in it. I will shove that straw in your eye, Cruz. <laughs> I'll keep the alcohol flowing. No worries. Now, uh, could you drop me real quick? You know the price, and I'm going to hold up my hand and say, you got to give me five. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Uh, does a 16 hit you? No. Hey. Well, he attempts to kick you, and uh, the foot collides, does no real damage, unfortunately, as he very sadly <coughs> looks down and... Uh, and he, like, backhands it. All right. Now put me down. I'm going to step back down behind the bar. By the time you release your grip on his arm, he's already scuttling over as fast as he can, uh, immediately pulling a platter, throwing on several different flagons, and calling out commands to several other uh, workers, and they all begin to kind of converge and get drinks going. But you all make your way into the booth on the far side of the uh, Neon Fang, 
where the reserve seat is. It can seat about 15 people, so you can all sit comfortably there. Humval, you do notice Dunma does take a seat next to you. Merdina sits next to you, Gaskar. And Aji next to you as well. Kind of trying to make sure she sticks next to Merdina. And Edward Ludicius finds his way next to Parker and Cruz. When Dunma sits next to me, I immediately throw my arm around him and like he's my best buddy. You see him like shrivel up in your arm. Uh, can you not, please? You'll get used to it. We are good friends now. Uh, and I'm not accepting no for an answer. As he is now blocked in by like three other people, he kind of relaxes just ever so slightly, succumbing to the knowledge that he can't get out of this situation. It's, it's, it's not so much friendly as it is the fact that Umbal has decided he's about the right height for an armrest and has proceeded <laughs> to put a lot of his weight into leaning on him. He just thinks you... He is not smart enough at the moment to put two and two together and just assumes it's not as demeaning as it is. Drinks are brought to your table within five minutes. And I mean, like, drinks of, like, flagon on flagon on flagon. You have a bunch of, like, rainbow-colored shots. Like, have you ever ordered a sushi roll of, like, a rainbow roll? And it's just, like, one of every kind of fish. This is, like, one of every kind of shot and just organized and really pretty. Uh, Gregory Thurston, as rough around the edges as he is, uh, is delicate and careful with every bit of presentation with these drinks. And he's always been very meticulous that way. It's a very strange dichotomy between him. And as drinks are provided, ergo however anyone would have wanted them, Aji does knock back the drool spit. Hey, you ordered that drool spit thing, right? How is it? What you would have noticed is this purplish green, almost has like a film on the top. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's, uh, it's strong. It's, uh, it's very strong. I would not recommend it for someone of your size. Unfortunately, it would, uh, knock you down pretty quick. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Gaskar <laughs> is thoroughly intrigued by this now. Oh, it's a good okay. thing because that's the only thing Cruz ordered. Oh, wait, you're drinking this one too? Everybody got the same thing because I walked up to Gregory and said, bring it all on. Oh, no, he's he's serving flagons and wine and all kinds of like high-end stuff right now. Drool Spit was specifically for Aji because she requested it. You would also know that Drool Spit is a uh, it's a drink. It exists. It's a shot because you don't pour any more of it. It's kind of a one shot and you don't need to drink anything else. It's for someone who wants to get drunk real fast and doesn't actually want to, you know, have the whole thing of like having to taste beer or like drink multiple shots of like whiskey. You know, it's more of a, hey, I just want to be drunk. Knock that back. There we go. Now I'm drunk. <sighs> I'm, I'm fairly certain Drool Spit has no flavor. I have a feeling Drool Spit and Everclear are very similar in experience. Imagine Everclear, but with lemon juice in it. So that's about the flavor of Drool Spit. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. I'm going to notice Parker's not drinking, so I'm going to reach into the center table and slide a beer in front of him. Thank you, but I, I prefer wine. 
I'm going to slide the beer back and I'm going to grab a wine and I'm going to hand it to him. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then I'm going to take the beer and take another drink. So I guess just, just as a uh, overall flavor aspect of this, Aji got the shot of Jewel Spit. Uh, Merdina got a broken bone beer. It's like the whitest, lightest beer on the menu and like ever it is like watered watered down a lot it's not strong at all mr nat has a flagon and has just like started drinking it and just not stopped and is just slurping it at the end of the table just just kind of going with it so cruz he's got a uh a, a red ale and he grabs a shot of what looks like whiskey and he drops it in the ale and he slopes that down real quick. He looks at Master Ludicious and says, I hope you're enjoying your glass of wine. So let's talk about this sponsorship. And yes, yes. Come forward with this sponsorship. Word kind of swishes the very expensive wine he has. And so, well, as a tinkerer, I do require... A little more, um, a little extracurricular activity from you as well before we make this deal. So, what I would provide to you is upon completion of contracts, you'll be receiving a bonus from me personally. There will be room for additional expenses being paid forth directly by me, should you require them. You will also note down that my tinkering and my various uh, abilities as a craftsman will also be available to you personally. I have many interesting trinkets and I feel several of them would benefit you very well. One of which I have with me should we come to a agreement. Hey, I'm uh I'm a bit of a tinkerer myself. I, I noticed your alchemical pouches. You're not quite the same vein as I am as I pat my gun. What what you got? I'm intrigued. Well, if it's proof that you're requiring of my capabilities. Not proof, just interest. Hmm. You see him pull off one of the sacks from his, uh, from his side. A purple one with gold kind of string tying the top. And as he sets it down, he unravels it. And as it does, it lays flat into a uh, flat piece of cloth. And in the center of it, you notice a small, about apple-sized mechanism. It's oval-shaped. It's almost like an egg. But on the outside, you see various gears and things that are kind of uh, ticking and whirling, or as it does. At any given point, you see it suddenly turn, kind of at a at a fair click. And he kind of picks it up, and this is a uh, device used to keep impeccable time, and not just time of day. And you see him remove kind of the, the top half of it, and you realize it's almost like a, a Russian doll. And as he opens it up, it reveals a inner mechanism that is also ticking. 
and he mar marks to you and he points out the various markings on it. The outer one speaks of what sun we are currently orbiting. The inner one speaks of the month and day. And as he pops off the innermost one, revealing an even smaller mechanism that is also ticking, this reveals the exact time of day. And you see him begin to reassemble it. And as each top clicks, you see the gears that were disconnected immediately begin to pick back up. Uh, I like to hand him over my gun and say, may I inspect your craftsmanship as you look at mine? He hands to you the device. Make a intelligence check. Not a tinkering check? Uh, you can make a tinkering check. 13. 13. It is impeccable craftsmanship. The gears and the various mechanisms that are making this device work are very intricate. And if he did in fact make this, this is impressive. Do I see a magic tech drive in, involved in the workings? You do not. It is completely mechanical. Hmm. Seems to run on springs. As you do notice, there's a small like turnkey at the very bottom of the device, hidden underneath the small panel. Now, inspecting your weapon, he flips it around several times in a very controlled fashion. He seems to be experienced with firearms. And looking down and up and around it, he hands it back to you. It is very well made, very well crafted. I am impressed, to say the least. Hmm, thank you. Me as well. I, I can tell that this keeps even perfect time even if it seems like the gears have wound down and it's not powered by magic tech like this is incredibly skilled the power of tension yes it took me many 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 tries to get that one down unfortunately it's more than i'd like to count but anyway i won't be giving you clocks merely but we must strike a deal before i'm able to provide to you a specific object of mine. Cruz is gonna go, oh yeah? Slam down his beer and say, watch this. He stands up, he pulls his sword out, slams it into the top of his shield, twists the hilt of his sword, pulls out this long handle, and as he's pulling it out, two blades pop out of the side of the shield, and he slams it on the table. That's how, craftsmanship. How drunk is Cruz right now? Like, I was literally <laughs> like... <laughs> This is the drunkest thing you can ever do. Well, the secret is he was wasted when he got in here. <laughs> uh, the red red scale tiefling of Cruz is a lot more rosy cheeked, even, and you didn't. You're not exactly sure how that's possible. So what's interesting, as you slam it on there, Ludicius does take a very quick glance at it, and it's interesting. You see him begin to point out small mechanisms that are on the inside well you have a gear system there a pulley system there the two connect and release that pin this is also very well crafted i'm impressed you all cruz is gonna say that is correct but you missed the kinetic energy storage canister in the center of this of the shield that way when i hit enough people I can eventually shock the crap out of somebody. I did miss that. You are full of surprises. Also, he slammed this down in the middle of the, the carousel of drinks. Yeah, some of them do spill over. I, okay, 
Gaspar makes some eye contact with Hoomball, shifty eyes over towards Cruz, and pats his uh, coin belt <laughs> and gives like a little wink and kind of a you and I sort of motion. Good ma, pardon me. I need to stretch my legs. <laughs> uh, I scurry under the table. <laughs> uh, you exit the table. You exit the booth. Gaskar, you are underneath the table. There is a lot of legs here. Cruz, make a constitution saving throw, please. Consti- oh, you guys are screwed. All right. Oh. That is a 19 plus five. You're not as drunk as you would have initially suspected. Please make your sleight of hand check. Humval, are you assisting? Oh, yeah. How are you assisting? Now, wait, mm. now, wait. Before you tell me the results, Gaskar... I need to know, Humval, are you assisting? I will be rolling to assist. Okay, which means he rolls with advantage. Okay, well, the second one was a nat one, so I'll definitely go with uh, the earlier one, which was a 17. Given circumstances, Cruz, what is your passive perception? Uh, Garbage, it's 11. Perfect. All right. <laughs> How are you distracting Cruz? I rolled a 24. <laughs> to be sober. <laughs> yeah. No, it would have severely pulled away from your passive perception. Unfortunately, your passive is also not high enough while you're sober to have noticed it. So I'm distracting Cruz <laughs> by taking his bizarre large weapon and like carrying it with me over to the other side of the table. This is a massive weapon, Cruz. How do you manage this? It is absolutely excessive. I'm really (laughs) strong. Gaskar, it's at this moment that Cruz is distracted. With the motion of him sitting, reached into, or reached up and like unclipped his money, his It's just a stick. It's an individual stick about five inches. I just pull it off him as he's sitting down with that motion so that if he feels anything, it would seem to feel as brushing up against the the seat that he is sitting on and step back with it as well. And and I come I come back up uh, with a drink in hand as if I just got a a refill. You emerge with his credit sticks. Humval, you still have his weapon. Uh, Cruz, how, how do you how do you make it go back? You you have it in this. Uh, I don't want to call it a shovel. <laughs> it's an axe. It is not an axe. It is part shield and the rest of it your other weapon, and it is absolutely huge. How do you? And Humval starts to like try and twist the blade. Trade secret. And I'm going to take the axe from him and he's not going to see what I do, but it just collapses the hilt back in and I just pull the sword out, sheath the sword. You sure I'm not going to see? Roll with disadvantage ah. and intelligence check. 11. No, so you are unable to deduce exactly how it collapsed and the mechanisms that would have made it so. So eh, it's not Aww. no terrible loss, but... It seems as though he does have something to him, you know? He, he's a good weapon craftsman, so uh, it's something to be kept in mind. For certain, you have made something overtly complicated. Ubal pat his short sword be like, this is all I really need. Something simple. I'm going to look at it and say, I can make it better. 
are you going to attach a baka to it so I can turn it into a tinier axe? I mean, if that's what you want. No, I would absolutely despise that. No, thank you. I can also make it break into two and then you could have twin daggers. Why would I want my sword to be broken into, Rose? So you can have twin daggers. No, no, that is a downgrade. A short sword is much bigger than two daggers. I can also make it split in half and then you have two short swords. I could just buy another short sword. But then you would have to carry two. You can have one. Two full short swords or two broken short swords. Hey, Cruz, I think you're arguing with somebody who doesn't have an appreciation of weapons other than the ones he's carrying. You're correct. Uh, who, who involved? Hey, by the way, what kind of weapon do you like to use? Just a bow and arrow? Well, I have my my short bow and arrow. And then uh, he pulls out his hand crossbow, puts that on the table, pulls out his dagger, puts that on the table, pulls out a light ham- uh, throwing hammer, puts that on the table, pulls out his old trusty short sword, puts that on the table. Uh, okay, I I just grab one of them and I inspect it. Meh, seems to be very well made, and I hand it back to you with your half of the credits. Make a sleight of hand check. Oh yeah, nineteen. <laughs> okay, no, you're you're good. Um, <laughs> how many credits have we taken off of him? Because I need because I'm giving him a straight half. Uh, well, up to this point, considering he would have just had the two recent ones that he had previously collected, uh, each one of you have received 125 or 112. It'd be 112.5. I guess that hay credit. It's always got you. I see how it is. I take you guys out for beer. You didn't. You guys steal my money. You're not the one who took us out for beer. You must have lost your credit somewhere. Well, as you all have now absconded with credits, inspected or showed off various weapons, Edward Ludicius has, up to this point, enjoyed the show. And as you are all doing this, he turns to Parker. Are they always like this? Sadly, I can't tell you that. Um, It's kind of our first outing altogether as a guild team. I would like to ask you... One question. Go on. Do you find this group competent? Uh, I'll look around the table at these people. (laughs) (laughs) I believe so. Well, I need something done. Can I rely (laughs) on you to do it? Well, as you've mentioned, completion of this task is stipulation for your sponsorship. So, yes... You see him produce a small contract, a small piece of paper, and set it in front of you. This is allowing me entry into the guild as a sponsor. Would you mind signing it? Does he allow me to read it first? Yes, of course. I would like to go over it. Okay. As you are going over it, Humval Gaskar, you have now finished going through your weaponary and Gaskar you have at this moment now slipped the other cred stick into Humval's hand uh, 
Cruz, you are at the moment now sitting down, your weapon having been dismantled once again, and you now see that Parker is now in possession of a contract that has been given to him by Edward Ludicius. Uh, now I'm going to slide a glass of wine in front of Parker, and I'm going to say, what you read? Master Ludicius's contract. Uh, contract for sponsorship? Yes, the one that we need to complete in order to have him sponsor us. Okay, well, Parker... Well, for that, I just need your signatures. Parker, since you're reading it, I'm going to trust your perspective of it, that it'll be a good deal for us. I, for one, want to vouch for this guy's handiwork. As a tinkerer, I'm most impressed. Master Ludicius has a reputation in the sidelines. Oh, reading through it, make an intelligence check. 16. Reading through it, you do notice that it is abnormally in your favor. Uh, The contract allows Edward Ludicius, as the proprietor, to provide to you all money, equipment, resources, and the only thing he receives in return at the moment, ergo this contract, is the ability to call himself a sponsor. That's suspicious. Sir, this this contract is heavily one-sided. Are you you sure about this? Oh, most certainly. I find myself in need of getting rid of money very quickly, and this is going to be the perfect way to do it. You know, if you find yourself in need of giving away money, um, the charity of Mongoose Affairs um, would greatly accept your pledge. As a sentient mongoose, I am an advisor for the committee and would love to act in your behalf for their interest. Almost certainly, I imagine you would. However, this current fortune of mine must be spent in a uh, specific way, and I need to get rid of it in a way that uh, benefits someone. Now I'm familiar with the term money laundering. All right, fine. I need your help with my experiments. You didn't have to drag it out of me so hard. Ooh, I like experiments. What are we doing? May I ask what kind ahead of time? <sighs> Unfortunately, no. I. These are very proprietary, and I. I don't want anyone not under contract to run away and start spewing my experiments to others. I need at least a contractual binding in order to share this information with you. But I assure you, it is it will not interfere with your contracts at the guild. It is very much on the side. You will have no issue with it. It does not require very much of anything. Merely a presence down within the fractures. Hey, by the way, uh, hey, Maybe as a stipulation to uh, signing this contract for you and your goals here, I um, used up a healing potion down in the fracture to help out this one right here. Uh, can you just give me one of those? It's, it seemed to be pretty potent. I, I personally do not possess any uh, of those. Those are actually very expensive. Uh, uh, well... 
Could you come up with one by the time we go into the fracture next? Yes, Kyle. Continue, Seth. Hey, I, I like me. to help people out when I can, and I helped out Mardina, and I lean over for some scritches. <laughs> uh, she she most certainly does, though, by this point, even with her very watered-down beard, you definitely see her rosy-cheeked and is beginning to kind of sway back and forth. <laughs> Do we have a deal, then? I signed the contract. Cruz is going to say, you're you're a merchant, right, Master Luvicius? Yes. I am a merchant. I have an entire shop of top-of-the-line weapons. Yes, the Tin and Tang. How did you know that? Uh, as a merchant, I have taken the liberty of fulfilling, filling myself in on the local wares. You possess some of the most uh, renowned <laughs> weapons in this entire city, honestly. Uh to be frank, I have an order for you, matter-of-factly, that I would very much appreciate you creating for me very soon. Uh, I just need one thing for you, from you. Okay, do you want me to do it personally, or do you want me to put my assistant on it? I would very much like you to have done it with someone under your assistance. It is not rather complicated, but I do need it done. And I merely ask that you assist me by signing the contract. I'm going to say, okay, but we're going to talk business afterwards. And Cruz, Cruz is going to put his name at the bottom. He just signs it Cruz. No last name, nothing. Good. Umval. Press aside. Very wonderful. As he takes the contract, looking over the names, he rolls it up and begins to tuck it in his cloak. And then from his cloak... He produces a wooden box, slightly larger than you would have been able to expect from his cloak. It's about two feet by two feet by two feet. Is it a foot locker? Not really. It just seems to be a wooden box, lacquered, very beautiful. Well, now that we have all established our working partnership, I don't feel too bad about giving this to you. However, business first. And he produces another one of those pouches, Gaskar, that you'd seen earlier. As he begins to pour the contents onto the table, just a few of them, you see these crystals, very small, diamond shape, with metal bands in the center. These are my experiment. I need you all as you delve into the fracture, to leave one of these on each one of the levels in an obscure place. I am... And he looks at the uh, Guild of Laughter, who is at the moment just pretty sloshed and drunk, all except for Dudma, who is kind of like half listening. And... Cruz is going to push a beer in front of Dudma. Dudma pushes it away and takes a glass of wine. Yeah, come on, pay attention. Dude, what's a wine man? Okay. Cruz is going to take that beer then. It's interesting. He looks around at the very crowded area around him. You see him produce a small Magitek drive. You see him begin to move it in a certain direction. And then you see the inside of it suddenly. And as he begins to look to each one of you, you hear 
his voice in your head. These are my experiments. They are meant to perhaps find a way into the fracture that is not the Deodovin's elevator. The ability to go in and out at will. From the surface to wherever you left these. Imagine them as small checkpoints, as I have taken to calling them. They are mildly erratic at the moment, and experiments on the surface with them have cost me a lot of credits worth of magitech drives. My hope is that whatever force is within the fractures will be enough to offset that power need, and that it will draw on the natural whatever wild magic is down there ever so slightly, so it is less of a power drain on this half. Cruz is going to sober up and he's going to look directly at him and think, are these magic absorption nodes? He looks to you. No. No, they are merely for getting in and out of the fractures at expeditious speeds. Then how are they going to absorb the wild magic throughout the fracture? That magic can't be controlled. Which is why I have experimented with trying to control it. I am hoping that with the connection being made up here, connecting down there, running one of these isn't impossible. It requires a fourth level magitech drive, which is expensive when you're experimenting with them. That's worth four years of somebody's wages. Are you kidding? Uh, You must understand this can be groundbreaking. So naturally, having to run two of them at once just doubles the cost, which is why I'm experimenting with it and trying to see whether or not it will work in the fraction. How are we going to get level four magic deck drives to be able to teleport down to the fraction? You don't need them. I just need you to place them there. I'm not opening this for you all to use. This is for my experiments. (laughs) And I just require you all to be the ones to get down there and drop these. Do you want us to drop them in open areas or hidden I said obscure, obscure places as possible. I need you all to place these in places that they will not be found by others. Like under under a rock, like in confined spaces Mm -hmm. or just hidden in plain sight? Bruce, I believe I can handle the... uh, Uh, Yeah. Location. I think this is a job for Hoomball and I. We we were able to make sure that things disappear from very conspicuous places. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask to inspect one of the crystals. Mentally, he responds to you. Unfortunately, and he begins to kind of scoop them back in. You wouldn't understand how they work and he begins to tie the top of it, and he hands it to Parker. You may, if you want, but I would rather not leave these out here in the open for any longer than they need to. Hide them, keep them safe, and do not let them fall into anyone else's hands. And so to be clear, may other people in our guild know about this. From what I understand, there's my name is, there is um, Relic and some lady that we have not met yet still down in the fracture. I would not show these to Relic. And he he taps the box as well. Especially not this. You don't know Relic, but I do. 
He is not to be trusted. Do not let him find this box. It is for you and yours only. This woman in the fracture I do not know of, but do not let Relic touch any of this. Crystal or box. Is that made clear? Mm-hmm. Crystal. <laughs> I understand. Oh, I get it. Parker made a joke because it was a crystal. Oh, wait, no, you're... you're. Ah, oh, yes, yes, I, I understand. Uh, I would imagine that Humval just blares this out loud as everyone else has been saying this mentally, and you just, in the middle of nothing, just say this out loud and... No, I, I imagine this is like Hoonball's like mental thought process of, ah, yes, that's what it was. Okay, that, I understand. That's what it was. <laughs> it was a now. joke. He moves to the box. This is another one of my experiments. Things go into it. Strange things come out. I open it and I put a dagger in. Uh... <laughs> Frack it. Fine. Fine. Your, your dagger? Humval's dagger no, on the table? Um, Whose dagger? The dagger that I got out of the um, our guild hall lo- lobby. <laughs> Sawyer was not prepared for that, everybody. He is now looking around his room for notebooks. You did not prepare me for that to be that quick. Uh, alrighty then. <laughs> it's Gaskar. You weren't prepared for that? No, I was not. I mean, Gaskar is insatiably curious and is impressed with this guy's artifice abilities. And he says that you put something in and something else comes out. Like, he he wants to see what the heck happens. Quick, Gaskar, crawl okay. into it. Nope. Perfect. <laughs> so Not that curious. So what's interesting about this is... Given the fact that there are the other guild members of Lafta still here, still drinking, most of them paying not much attention, Duma is still trying to pay attention. Uh, he sees you open one of the many sides of it. As you notice, there are handles on all of them, all six sides. You open the top one, put a dagger, and close it. And by the time he reaches his hand out to try to stop you, you've already done it. I, I leave my hand on it, and I slowly make eye contact with him. Like, oops. <laughs> I would have rathered it not be done here. <laughs> Please roll a d6, sir. Yeah. I rolled a six. That's not necessarily a good thing. I know. <laughs> All right. A six. Wow. Okay. So you place your dagger into the box and... All of the lines and the handles disappear for a moment and are gone. It's just a wooden box then, solid on all sides. Is my hand still on top of the box? Like, do I feel anything as this is happening? Mm Mm-hmm. You feel the creases do disappear. Hmm. And the box is warm for a moment. Huh? And then just the side that you placed your dagger on appears. Hmm. Creak? Okay. Edward has his hand on it as well, slowly lifts it up with you, kind of trying to peek on the inside. Like, hiding it, like, yeah, like, we got our hands together, just, you know, shielding. 
I'm I'm down low to well, I guess I suppose I'm probably am head height with the table, and I'm looking straight in. As it creaks open, it reveals to be a very, very beautifully put together dagger made out of various vegetables. <laughs> uh, the hilt has become that of a carrot, carved and twisted as well. It has various bits of little little string celery that have been, you know, tied around it. Uh, the blade of it has become an entire sheath of celery. And it is beautiful and completely made out of vegetables. Like, is it metal forged to look like vegetables or can you put this in a freaking Bloody Mary and like take a bite out of it? I I, I grab it. I make eye contact with Edward and I begin to lift it slowly, like seeking to get some permission. Uh, He looks at it. Cocks his head curiously, nods to you. I pick it up and I take a well, bite that... out of the celery plate. <laughs> yeah, you, it's celery. It is 100% celery. And, well, that has never happened before. Uh, so as I was saying, this box does make some very strange effects occur. Uh, be wary of it. It has as many uses per day as you wish, though... Uh, Excessive use per day will result in more dangerous creations. Uh, is the lid still open? Yes, and Cruz is going to throw a level one magic tech drive in it and close the lid. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, okay. At roll a d six. Roll, roll a d six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping for a stake. Uh, four. And roll a roll a percentile. Ooh, ninety. Ninety. Okay. Well, this is interesting. Uh, once again, the flap closes. All of the lines disappear, and then only the one on the top appears again. Cruz is going to put his hand on it and slowly open as he's peeking in. Your tech drive is there. However, it's interesting. There is writing on it around the end caps of it. Like like runes or like... Like like runes of a spell. Oh. Cruz is going to pull it out and go, this is new. I yoink it from his hand and investigate it. Uh, do you allow this? I'm going to say yes, but I want that back, Gascar. Okay, roll an Arcana check. 18. This is a good night for me. <laughs> 18. So you would, at the moment, have recognized this spell as... Uh, hold portal that has been inscribed upon this particular drive. Okay, what does that do? Hold portal is a spell that will magically hold a door uh, for, I believe, 10 minutes. 
A door to any where? Door. Just any door open? Any door you can cast on it, and it will not open for 10 minutes. Oh, sweet. I'm going to open or close. Open or close. It is completely sealed shut. I'm going to nudge Parker and say, hey, maybe it'll fix your violin. Throw it in. <laughs> no, I will not be doing that. Volvo will sneak his short sword. Unless Parker can beat me to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my Magitech drive back from Gaskar. Edward at the moment has kind of crossed his arms and is observing it as the uh, as the top once again closes, the lines reappear across the entirety of it. You sneak your short sword in. And it's strange because it does fit. It's two feet, but it seems to have fit at least a three foot sword from hilt to tip. Um um hold on, Sawyer. Short swords are two and a half feet, not three feet. It is worn and it's been pounded. It was crudely made and it's th- it's a three foot short sword. Anyway, uh, the point is the sword was larger than the box itself should have been able to take. However, it seemed to have fit. Upon sending it in there, I'd like you to roll a d6. It's going to turn into a shoe. <laughs> I rolled a four. Please roll a percentile. 64. 64. Your sword, as the line appears once again and you open it, your sword has now been completely transformed into very thick, rug-like fabric. Like, like the very tight Persian rug kind of style. Wait, is it a nice rug? Oh no, it's a, it's very nice. Oh, it's going in my room. <laughs> you got a rugged sword. Well, it was rugged to begin with, and then I got it, and it became more rugged. So ultimately, I have used a sword to its final lifespan, and it is now a rug. Parker, your turn. I will not indulge myself. I do have questions, though. Ludicious. You should just put your wine glass in. You're not drinking it anyway. Uh, I would suggest that we don't tempt fate so much at this point because uh, it has been known to create more volatile things. And it seems as though these last two have been tempting fate as much. Wine glass. Wine glass. Wine glass. Wine glass. Come on, you might get a Bloody Mary to go with uh, Gaskar's celery. I'm going to slap Gaskar in the face with my rugged sword. <laughs> I'm going to throw a <laughs> carrot at his forehead. <laughs> so now, is this... Roll for damage. Is this a slap fight? Or is this is this a sword fight? Or what would this be considered? It's a food fight. This is what happens when garage sales get like two people who go for the same thing. They just grab the most random crud nearby and start throwing at each other. I mean, like this guy is like proprieting everything and they grabbed his lunch and just yeeted it at this other person who just happened to grab this like 30 year old ancient vase and throw it at them. And you know, just whatever's nearby goes. I want to lean into Edward. What powers the box? That is nothing you need to know. Only that it works and report back to me any 
unusual findings that happen within it. I'm going to lean even harder. No, you don't understand. What powers the box? And I'm like, I'm stern. And I look kind of almost like angrily inquisitive. You wouldn't have to lean in because this is still telepathic if you want. That spell is still up. So you could literally just shunt your thought into his mind. Yes, I'll do that. Okay. This the spell lasts for ten minutes, and it hasn't been quite ten minutes yet. Uh, all right. You hear thoughts come back to you. This box is powered by innovation. You know how I showed you the uh, clockwork from earlier? Yes, go on. The clockwork machine. It is powered very similarly. Within the walls of the box hold springs and gears and various other mechanisms. And as they work, they transform whatever is inside of it to a randomly generated uh, material. And I can't stress it enough that it is random and you can get very dangerous things that come out of it, or very good ones at that. But I cannot hold on to it any longer as I have no use for it, but I figure you will have it. But it is purely mechanical, I will assure you that. I want to roll an inside check. Do. Ooh, uh, that's going to be 21 for inside. Observing him and his facial features as he concurs the thought to you, he seems to be telling the truth. A, a wave of defeat washes over Parker's face. Were you hoping for something more complicated? Mm, yeah, you could say that. Well, I assure you, it is complicated. There is no lack of ingenuity behind it. But all right, so we have now settled on a contract. You now possess this object known as Castiel's Box. I took to naming it myself after the old story of Demon Castiel. Seemed very appropriate given the duality of the poem. And with this, I hope it bids you well. And serves you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I do have to be getting back to my assets. They are uh, unguarded at the moment, and I want to make sure that it does not get absconded with. Thank you very much. Courage is going to shoot a thought to him and say, make sure to swing by the tin and tank soon. I need to know what job you have for me. Oh, most certainly. And he hands you a folded up note and piece of parchment. I'm going to slide it into my pocket. Perfect. And he begins to make his way out. Well, is this telepathic spell thing? Um, it's not stuff that's shared necessarily with everybody else, correct? To your knowledge, no. It seems as though he could make the choice of speaking to all of you cumulatively or individually. Okay. I want to ask him, does the name Orthogonal Juggler bring any bells to you? him just stop just for a, a brief moment. His head cocks up in a moment. Unfortunately no. Or should it? I'm trying to find him. He's a dear friend of mine who just suddenly disappeared 
You know anybody who's good at finding people? I can find anyone I want. Can you find him? You see him turn around to you and say verbally, I will. Thank you. Verbally. He makes his way out the front doors then. So after he exits, Dunma, looking at the box curiously, does kind of scoot next to you again. Uh, about that, uh, about that tail. It's actually very strange that, uh, he would give to you something like this. The tail we, we all know, everyone in the guild hall. And you see at this point, he kind of like looks to Cruz and to Parker and to Gaskar. And he kind of like, hey, you all probably want to hear this. Continue. You're going to be going into the fractures. You need to know the story of the Silvered Shade. Now, it is a complicated rumor. And up to this point, I knew it was true. I knew it was, but I had never seen it before. Some say it is a creature. Others say it's an angry spirit from when the first fracture formed and claimed a life but it's been seen in all known levels. And it's been reported that strange things happen when it arrives. Everything from hearing voices in their head, to memory loss, to just observing people. No one knows what it is, but I never want to find out personally. It seems to be some form of skeleton, skeletal creature with liquid-like bones hidden within a cowl of black. It appears and just observes most of the time. When we were down on the third level, coming back with our quarry, we ran across it, standing upside down upon a stalactite, and it was just staring at us, just looking. And I, I didn't know what to do, but almost pointed at me and then it walked up the stalactite and disappeared into the shadows above and it was gone I pointed it out to the others and they saw it as well but it was just gone and uh, the reports are everywhere they've seen it on as deep of a level as 10 no one has gone further but again it doesn't attack anyone it doesn't harm or seem to seek out anything. It just appears, observes, and vanishes most of the time. Some stories do have slight uh, differences. But if you do run across it, don't fight it, whatever you do. I, I don't know what it is about it, but it is terrifying. I, I don't know. And I'm a tracker. Mind you, I track things, and I never saw this thing appear and never could find where it went after that. And I track creatures with invisibility. I track creatures who can teleport. And I could not find a trace of where this creature went. It's something different, and I don't know what. And I pride myself on knowing what I go down and face in the fractures. 
So just from one guild to the next, be warned. Don't engage this creature. Is that enough of a warning? If we see a creature that can stand upside down on a ceiling or stand up on a wall. If we see a skeleton made with liquid bones with a cowl of black. Yes, that one. Run away. Or do not engage. Do not engage. It doesn't seem to want to attack people. People have said that they've gotten close enough to touch it and it just fades away from them. So it's not its not dangerous if you don't engage it. I haven't known anyone who has, but I can only imagine. It's always been a rumor, it's always been a myth. Most people don't even believe it exists. But I can tell you now, it does. The Silvered Shade exists. Well, Gregory, thank you for the drinks. It's time for me to retire. Well, it's been great having you along with me, Cruz. Uh, it's sad to see that you will no longer be joining us at the Guild Hall. They leave so young. No, I mean, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. You guys are by all means can come use the shop all you want. Actually, that is a good idea. As uh, Val looks at his new rug. <laughs> I do need a new welcome mat. You should trade it for a sword. You want to sell that for five credits? <laughs> I'll trade you for a real sword. I will pay you for a real sword. This is a nice rug. I lost my favorite sword to this. Well, let's go look at my wares. Well, I suppose it still is my favorite sword. Is this how Cruz gets his money back? It is unfortunate that in some alternate timeline that did not happen, that rule went very differently. Name of the game is to keep rolling. This is true. All right, so you all have agreed to make your way to the Tin and Tang, correct? I'm going to say bye to everybody in Guild Lafta, and I'm going right. to actually hand them a business card and say, if you ever need equipped, I won't rip you off like those greedy Reinhards. Come and see me. You see, Mardina, take it, and... Ooh, I've actually been thinking about getting a new great axe. I think it'd actually be really good. Do you sell colors? I can paint it any color you want. Wonderful! I've been thinking of a beautiful pink. Honestly, like, I want... Whenever I kill something, I want it to be able to die by pink. It has been my favorite color, and obviously it's very hard to get that kind of around here, and, you know, it's it just is what it is. Uh... Aji might actually like her blue dagger. I can hydro dip anything pink, but we can only hydro dip pink. Oh. Well, I'll put in the order sometime soon, I'm sure. Great axes start at 500. She nods. Uh, uh, Aji, uh... You see Aji at this point has her head, like, on the table, and she is snoring. I'm going to take another card, and I'm going to slide it into her hand. Nice. Uh, Nat stands up, looks to Aji, picks her up, slings her over his shoulder like this is kind of a normal thing. Merdina hops down and, well, guys, uh, this has been fun. Uh, Dunma, come on, uh, we got to go. Dunma giving you guys one last sidelong glance as he moves by, kind of trying to drive 
home his seemingly final tale of warning. And they leave out the door as you guys leave to go to the Tin and Tang. As you guys exit the Neon Fang, you make your way through the rainy Hopewell streets, not terribly far away to find Cruz's shop, the Tin and Tang. You can tell it sticking out like a sore thumb among other structures as it has two huge colossi, metal in construct, standing seemingly at guard in the front of the gate, or front of the shop front, excuse me. Standing guard at the shop front. Above them, they hold a large blade that has engraved upon it in beautiful letters, the Tin and Tang. By far very impressive, this shop spans about two to three floors and is variably taller than the rest of the buildings surrounding it. You enter into the Tin and Tang, and that is where we shall end tonight's episode.